Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get it? The Bird Show. There are a lot of scammers out there that are trying to make their cash and scam people, all based on the death of a relative. How low can you get? And for the last couple of days, Kristen has been wondering if she's being scammed based on the death of a family member. And I finally got answers. We have a conclusion today in the scam of, potential scam of my Uncle David. A couple months ago, my Uncle David passed away. Uncle David never got married, never had kids. His brother, my dad, is no longer with us. His sister, my Aunt Marilyn, is no longer with us. Literally six years ago, um, five years ago, excuse me, uh, my dad passed away, and then a month later, his sister passed away. And then just a couple months ago, Uncle David passed away. So he didn't marry, and he didn't have kids, and Aunt Marilyn and my dad are no longer here. So that means everything from his estate goes to his nieces and nephews. And there's my brother and I from my dad. And then Aunt Marilyn had eight kids. Okay. So he passed away and never thought anything about the will or, or his estate because the way my Uncle David rolled, he became a deacon later in life. I just figured he was going to leave everything to the church because mm-hmm. um, none of us... Nobody in the family is hurting, so it it wouldn't be like this money would be, like, nobody's in dire straits. It's it's like we we need this money, so whatever he chose to do with it, absolutely, you know, you know, go David, go. And here we are, some months removed, and I get a call from a probate company, like at eight o'clock at night. Don't know the first thing about probate because I've never gone through it. Um, We didn't go through that with my dad because we were smart to like move everything over into my name. So, um. They say, yes, we have some, you know, our condolences. We have some information about your Uncle David's estate. So I just figured it was like a law firm calling about his last will and testament. And she proceeds to tell me he did not have a will, that they are like a genealogy service. And they, they, what they basically do is they go and they see like obituaries and deaths and do the research and to see what family members are entitled to. And how she had all this information was slightly odd and... The way she handled the conversation with it, which I didn't disclose last time, um, there were some red flags popping up. And because, you know, she got like somewhat personal because she goes, you know, I know your father has passed away. I'm so sorry. My mom passed away when I was 19. It doesn't get any easier. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I know, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes on to say, like, you know, she apologized for calling me so late, but her daughter's been sick. She was in the hospital with RSV, blah, blah, blah. So she's getting, giving mm-hmm. like, you know, what seemed to be unnecessary details. Mm-hmm. And I reach out to my brother and I'm like, hey, have you gotten any paperwork um, in regards to Uncle David's estate? And my brother said, yes, 
I signed it and I sent it back. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't from the probate company. It was from a law firm in Cincinnati and it was my uncle David's will. Mm. So he did indeed have a last will and testament. And I'm like, can you, this, this would have been pertinent information to know. Can you please take photo? Because I haven't gotten anything in the mail. I never got anything from the probate, com- uh, from probate company. I never got anything from this law firm about my uncle's estate. My brother sends me like photos of his will. It's very basic. He named um, his eldest niece, the executor, and like that is it, right? And my name is misspelled. They have the wrong address. Like that's why I never, because my brother got this like weeks ago. And I never received anything. So I call a lawyer friend. He's now been trying to communicate and get in touch with the probate company because she sent me her business card via text and sent me a DocuSign to sign. You remember the lovely um, phone caller we had is like, because they wanted my dad's, dad's death certificate. They wanted my birth certificate and they wanted my marriage license. And he's like, I'm not giving any documents to Cecil. And I'm like, yep. So I'm sitting on this. So our lawyer friend he reached out to the probate company and has not heard anything, Mm. has heard nothing. So I called the law firm, um, allegedly representing my uncle's estate, and I left a message. So I'm sitting in therapy, and I get a phone call from Cincinnati. And I had been telling her, and I'm like, ooh, this is them. And she's like, answer it. So I answer, and I'm like, hello, my name is Kristen Klingshirn Mattingly. I'm the niece of David Klingshirn. Um, apparently he has a will that I was supposed to receive in the mail, but I haven't received anything because my name was misspelled and it's the incorrect address. So some, he was very polite and very kind, apologized for the mistake. Um, either my cousin had the wrong information <laughs> or they like, you know, wrote it down wrong. I don't think they did. Um, so I gave him the proper information. He's mailing everything to me. And my uncle does indeed have a will. Okay. Actually, he had a living trust. (gasps) And he is giving everything to Chaminade Julian High School, his alma mater. No way. And he's starting a scholarship in the Klingshirn name to help those kids who want to go to college. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Damn. So we get nothing. (laughs) <laughs> good for those kids who can go to college yes. yeah. but you can feel good about getting nothing uh, oh absolutely yeah, yeah. It's, it's where my dad went to like it's huh. where all of them went to school um and so yeah he and he just he really he wanted to start a scholarship in the family name and so any kids at that high school who are you know financially unable to go to school hopefully the scholarship will be able to help them Man. that's cool yeah that makes yeah. a lot of sense everybody right. in your your family tree just nice people. Thank you. This makes sense. <laughs> Get it? The Bird Show. All right, who's got a really deep, dark secret, right? Really deep, dark secret. Because Tommy sends me this statistic the other day that made me think, okay, maybe we can get something juicy here. I am willing to give you guys $100 for your deep, dark secret. But we'll have to go around the room after they tell us a story and say, okay, she earned her $100. Or it. he earns the $100. And don't forget... You don't have to use your real name. Uh Uh-uh. And we have this awesome thing called the voice disguise. Yeah, no one's ever going to know. It's you. But (laughs) if you've got a deep, dark secret that you thought you would never share with anybody, you share it with us. If we deem it like, oh, that's... 
That is good. You should definitely not have called us. We'll give you $100. All they're right? they're going to spill their guts. Phone number out. one eight five five virtual Go ahead. They're going to spill their guts, and then we're going to decide not to give them the money after they say it on air on national radio. It's got to yeah. be good, girl. Yeah, it's got to be good. Deep, dark secret. Okay, here's the statistic that he passed on to me. 61% of women say they have a secret that they will take to their grave with them. That's a high percentage. That's right. That is pretty high. Six out of ten women say that I will not tell anybody about this deep dark. So it might be an affair. It could be something you did at work where you stole money and you didn't tell anybody. But 60% of women have one of these. I would really like to see what the statistic is for guys. All right. 90. <laughs> All right, they are that lining. Tracks. They are lining up right now. One eight five five bird show, but it's got to be something that makes us like our jaws drop. Uh huh. Like I want, I want to gasp. I want to, and I want to grab my um, imaginary pearls. Didn't you guys do something similar uh, to this one day while I was out, and you got a really good one? Oh, we did. We went. Um, God. I'm trying. It was like, yeah, people confessed or they got something off their chest. They they had never told anybody. You were out, mm. and um, it, somebody else was out. So it was only the, only the women of the Burt Show, and so maybe it was more like a, a, a womb of comfort that people felt. But um, <laughs> yeah, somebody called and admitted to like their grandmother had committed murder or something like that. Wow. Forgot about that. Yeah, I feel like women. We, girls just love to gossip. You yeah. know, the girls are girling, and I think there's something safe about telling a woman your deepest, darkest secret because you know we'll keep it unless uh, it's on national radio. I mean, if we get something good, uh, Mo and I can leave the studio. Yeah, it's not a problem. I got a whole bunch of people calling. I just don't want to take the first one first. It's because it's it's more sad than anything else. You see it? Yeah, I don't think it's sad. It's shocking. I hate it. Well, I know you hate well, it. Well, now, now I want to know, know what it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But, dude, I, th- I hate to break it to you. Most of these confessions aren't be like, I got a puppy. I know, but this <gasps> one is when they're kids. Uh, hey, Jennifer, good morning. You're on the Burt Show, but we have you on the voice disguiser. Good morning. How are y'all? Good. All right. Your deep, dark secret that could be worth $100. When I was 12 years old, I saw my dad cheat on my mom, and now my cousin is my sister. <gasps> oh, well, now that you threw that, that oh, other part in there, okay. We're so, coming out the gate. <laughs> are, the two, are the two correlated? Like, did you see your dad cheat with your aunt? Um, yes. Well, that's over. <laughs> 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And nobody in the family knows, not even your cousin? No. <gasps> they don't even know you saw it? No. Where did you catch them? Wow. In, in, in my parents' bed. <sighs> At 12. Dang, I would never yeah. recover. I would never recover. I'm throwing up in my mouth a little bit, but it's worth $100, right? It is. Where I'll sit here. Okay. Yep. Well done. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. And Thank I'm sorry. You. Yeah, right? right. Yeah, I, 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 feel bad. I don't feel good about that. I'm sorry your soul has to bear that burden for the remainder of your life. Right. I'm Marie here, not her real name, on The Voice Disguiser, trying to earn $100 for a deep, dark secret. Hey, Marie. Uh, hey there, fam. This is a P1, and so I'm so glad you let me get it off my chest. Um, my secret is that I used to facilitate, facilitate the sales of cell phones between corrections officers and inmates. <sighs> That is juicy. All right, explain that a little bit more, because only Kristen here has been um, in jail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I had friends who were incarcerated, and 
They were on a very high security yard, and the correction officers there on the yard were open to making some money. So we would sell, like, maybe 20 years ago. This was back in the day. But we would sell Motorola flip phones for like a thousand bucks each, and I would meet them up at Starbucks and hand them to the corrections officers. Oh my gosh. And then they would slip them to the inmates when they were in the yard. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Look at Kristen using her jail, her penitentiary nomenclature. In the yard. I watched Orange is the New Black. When all this stuff was happening in the Thug, I was just like, this is thing going on. Corrections officers were primary in getting them all, yeah. Yeah. all of this technology on the yard. What made you stop? Um, it wasn't right to put myself at such a risk. And also... Um, one day I was pulled in to have a cavity check. They had a search warrant against my body. And I've never been arrested or anything. And so they've never found anything on me because I've done it in a certain manner. And so that was my sign. Don't do anything else anymore. It's just too close for comfort and it's not worth the money. Wow. And mind you, I had an excellent corporate career at the time. I didn't have to. Yeah. It was just trying to get people information to help them search their cases. Yeah, I don't think this is so uncommon for inmates to have cell phones, but... But that's a good one. It that, is a good that's one. That's worth $100. It yeah, is, for yeah. sure. Hold Thank on. Thank you. Dang. Yeah. All right. This one we've heard of in a movie. No way this is real. But it could happen in real life also. Stephanie, not your real name, on the voice disguiser. Go for it. Yeah, hi. So years ago, I had a boyfriend that was living with me and my best friend that was with me. And I came across some pictures in her phone one day and found out that they were sleeping with each other in my bed while I was at work. And she was home watching my kids. And so uh, for dinner one night, I had made a chocolate pie. No. And I don't want to. Yes. I put feces in it. And to this day, I have never, ever, not one person have I told that I did that. Whose who's feces was it? Uh, it was the cat. The cat's feces. <laughs> you put cat poop. Uh, now, what movie was this in? The Help. The, the Help. help. Mm-hmm. That's right. But you did right. that. You were way ahead of this one. It was mini spy. No, no. I've, I've seen it, but no, I was, I just, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's going to earn you $100. Yeah, I think yep. so. Yeah, that was wow. right there. And did, when they were eating it, did they say, like, this tastes odd? Or were you even there to process it? No, they said it was good. I had whipped cream on it, sprinkles. Like, like I'm a really good baker. And they were just surprised. They were surprised that I made a chocolate pie, being that I don't like chocolate. And I said, well, you know, I make things for other people that I, you know, don't like. You know, it's just part of life or whatever. So at what point did you, like, out them that they were sleeping together and you broke up with him and, like, never were friends with her again? We were drinking. Yeah. And I just kind of like lost my temper and just like went all off because I had screenshotted everything and they were trying to like lie about it. And then I was like, oh, then what is this? And what is this? And what is this? And I was like, you need to go now before I put my hands on you, speaking to my best friend. And um, I had called my boyfriend's mom and told her what was going on. And I was like, he needs to get out of my house. I was like, you know, I'm not trying to like do this or anything. I was like, you know, I don't care if he's on the street. I had already bagged up all his clothes and they were in the laundry room and he had no idea that like all his stuff was bagged up. And the mom came and got him because I was like, I will call the cops because like I I was just, I was so angry and I was so hurt. 
Yeah. Because here I was working every day. Neither one of them were working. I was paying all the bills and, you know, and, and doing this, that, and the other, like still cooking. And you're sleeping with my best friend who, like, I'm going above and beyond to try to yeah, help. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is just you ranting. You don't even have to make an excuse, man, <laughs> at all. For the, yeah. fe- for the cat feces cake. <laughs> you need it. You need I it. I never to... told anybody because I felt like such a horrible person. Like, because I have, like, a, a conscience and I'm not a, me- a bad person. But, like, I mean, I was devastated. Like, this was the person that I thought I was going to spend the rest sure. of my life with. Yeah. I loved that man with, like, every part of me. Well, I'm glad you were able to get this off your chest. Yeah, yeah. and I also want to put you on hold because there's this podcast called The Breakup Breakdown that you might be part of. <laughs> yeah, girl, please slide <laughs> in my DMs. I love Abby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. Get it. The Bird Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Bird Show's entertainment buzz. Cindy Crawford is looking back on an interview she did with Oprah in a different light. So Cindy had just gotten discovered back in 1986 when she went on the Oprah Winfrey show. She showed up with a representative from her modeling agency. And she is looking back on a comment that Oprah made and is feeling a different way about it. So she's in this new Apple TV Plus series called The Supermodels. And she said, I was like the chattel or a child, like be seen and not heard. When you look at it through today's eyes, when Oprah's like, stand up and show me your body, like show us why you're worthy of being here. In the moment, I didn't recognize it. Only when I look back at it and I was like, oh my gosh, that was so not okay, really, especially from Oprah. I definitely think with... <laughs> I think she was trying to be complimentary, yeah. but it came off different. Come on, guys. It was also yeah. 1980-whatever it 86, was. 86, yeah. 86. Yeah. I mean, I understand looking through it through time's eyes for sure. If it happened and, yesterday, mm-hmm. it'd be a different story. Yeah, and I under- you, you can't dismiss her feelings about it also. They were happening back then, but yeah, yeah it was a different time. So mm-hmm. I don't even know why the... That this is making the rounds again. Well, because she's doing, she's on yeah. a show, and they're supposed to, and they're talking about their history and their life. So stories mm-hmm. are going to come up, and you're going to share stories, and they're they're going to become relevant again. And some additional context. I'm glad this is coming up because I think this stuff needs to be talked about. Because sometimes we're like, oh, you know, back in the day, people used to not care. Well, they did care. You just didn't say anything. But also, and not to speak for Oprah in any way, shape, or form, but I know she's been very open about her weight struggles, gain, and loss. And as somebody who is of the heavier persuasion, I can understand why you might compliment somebody on their thin body because if you're so... Um, I don't want to say obsessed, but focused on your own weight and that's the goal and somebody else has the goal. They have the prize that you've been trying so hard to get. Of course, mm. you're going to be complimentary because you're like, congratulations, you have it, what everybody is trying to get. Mm-hmm. So it's not to excuse it, but just to give you that additional context as well. It's also the industry, right? I mean, the industry, especially back then, was to mm-hmm. have a certain body. So I think she meant it in a complimentary way. I think she did, too. That is the industry, but Oprah's not in the industry. She's a talk show host, and you want you to make your guests feel comfortable, mm-hmm. and Cindy Crawford did not feel comfortable in that moment. Well, I mean, technically, I mean, if you're going to be a quote-unquote good model, and back in those days, you had to look a certain way, so it's almost like she was trying to compliment her on being good at her job, I guess, but I think you're right. Like, you can't invalidate her feelings. Like, if she felt objectified in that moment, that's how she felt, but I also feel... Like, it's a perfect example of somebody's intentions wasn't exactly how it came across to the person who was, mm-hmm. quote unquote, being objectified. We talk about intent versus impact all the time. Exactly. And something also that was really interesting in the clip that I continue to listen to, I had no idea Cindy Crawford was an engineering major at Northwestern before she oh, became yeah. a model. Uh-huh. And honestly, it kind of didn't even seem like she wanted to be in the modeling indus- industry at first. It seemed like her agent was like trying to convince her to do more stuff. Yeah, she's brilliant. We've had her on the show back in the day. She's brilliant. She's intimidatingly brilliant. <laughs> I mean, 
in every word that's beautiful. Yeah, it's not fair. She's, she's got some, something's wrong with her. Just know that God doesn't make perfection like that. Something's up. Are you sure? Because it is so irritating when people are like beautiful and highly intelligent, like Natalie Portman. Uh, gorgeous actor, speaks multiple <laughs> languages, went to Harvard. I'm like, pick one. Right. You get one. And okay? then they end up having kids that are just as perfect as they are. Like Kai Herber looks just like her mom. Just just like like her. And she's engaged to Austin Butler. I mean, God really does have favorites. And I specifically feel that way about Taylor Swift. Which, speaking of, Taylor Swift and Sophie Turner had the opportunity to do the funniest thing ever. And they absolutely did it. So Taylor Swift and Sophie Turner were spotted out in the West Village in New York at a restaurant called Via Carota. And let me put some context to this, because if they didn't want to be seen, they could have found somewhere to, to, be, to go. Via Carota is not one of those restaurants where you go to be hidden. It is the place to mm-hmm. see and be seen. And Sophie and Taylor showed up looking amazing. So, both of Joe Jonas's exes? Both of Joe Jonas's exes. So Taylor dated Joe about 15 years ago, has a, a thousand and one songs about him. So now Sophie has an entire playlist specifically dedicated to her breakup mm-hmm. with her ex. And Sophie and Joe just split a couple of weeks ago. We just started covering the story. And I gotta know. I wanna know what tea was spilt at the table. But I definitely think it looks like Taylor is taking mm-hmm. sides on this one, if I had to guess. Oh, sure. A team Sophie. Team yeah. Sophie. And Sophie looked good. I mean, oh. she was specifically wearing something that was like, hey, look at me. Yeah, it was her revenge outfit, her Princess Diana look, for sure. It's the viral meme song that's taking TikTok by storm. We'll play it for you on your next eBuzz on The Bird Show. If you're looking for somewhere to celebrate, whether it be a birthday or a graduation or an anniversary, may I recommend an Atlanta United match. So my husband and I just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. He is a massive Atlanta United fan. So of course, we decided to go to a match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and had the best time. I'm telling you, if you're a super fan, if you're a casual fan, going to an Atlanta United match is a great way to celebrate. My husband got to watch a great match and I got to enjoy delicious wine. And I also may have gone to the team shop and got myself a new sweatshirt. I'm very excited about my new Atlanta United sweatshirt. (laughs) And kudos to Atlanta's fan base because every time we ride Marta to go down to a match, it is packed full of people wearing their Atlanta United gear. Visit atlutd.com for tickets and also for the match schedule. That's atlutd.com. Hey y'all, it's Katie here from The Bird Show. Pride unites us all and so does Atlanta United. That's why I'm giving you the chance to win a spot in The Bird Show's Pride Night Suite in celebration of Pride Month. That's right. Join me and The Bird Show crew on Sunday, June 2nd, as Atlanta United takes on the fierce rival, Charlotte FC, with kickoff at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We need to beat Charlotte, so we will be loud and proud. Believe that. Oh, and by the way, did I mention Atlanta United is giving away a -a one-of-a-kind Pride-inspired towel, plus a $5 donation to Lost and Found Youth, an Atlanta-based nonprofit that provides services to the LGBTQ plus youth, which is included with your Pride Night ticket pack. Remember, to enter for your chance to win a spot in the Bird Show's Pride Night Suite, head over to thebirdshow.com. To guarantee your tickets and Pride towel, go to atlutd.com and click the promotional packs tab for more details. Can't wait to see you all there June 2nd at 4.30 p.m. Together, we are Atlanta. Atlanta United. See you there. This is The Bird Show. So her husband's ex wants to be in the delivery room when she, the current gives birth. Okay, how is that even possible? We'll get to that in one second. Abby, I want to throw a crazy dating term out at you. It's a new dating term. Oh, okay. Commitment? 
Um, <laughs> no. I mean, that's sort of out of style, but people know that word. Okay. Emotional intelligence? <laughs> Mo, this is for you, too, as you are still technically single. But not Are really you? dating. Is he? No, he's he not. not. He, he called himself not. a boyfriend the other okay. day. Okay. All right. Not for you then. Um, so Huffington Post just did a whole article on, on what they're calling anti-ghosting. Okay? Mm-hmm. And what anti-ghosting is, is when you tell a person in a text or face-to-face, you are just not into them. And you do not ghost them, you verbalize that. So it's just having good communication skills? (laughs) The entire article is just about saying, hey, it's just not going to work out between the two of us. That's not anti-ghosting, that's common decency. That's what I mean. This doesn't seem like this needs to be a new term. It sounds like they're just trying to label something that doesn't need to be labeled. (laughs) So that means that ghosting is so popular now that they have to come up with a term for decency, which is (laughs) anti-ghosting. That's what we're living in now. I think the writers were just a little desperate for content that day. They're like, what if we take this very basic concept and make it into something bigger than it is? which is typical journalism. <laughs> well, going back to what it was before social media, you said that you've like deleted all your dating apps and you're actually meeting and talking to people in person. It's amazing. It's crazy. My mental health has never been better. <laughs> I have loved being off the dating apps, mainly because uh, it's taking A, less time, and B, I feel like I'm less hopeless about dating because I'm not being faced with just the, the pits of hell every single day. <laughs> crazy thoughts. Crazy. All right, so what could the details be here where the uh, husband's ex wants to be in her delivery room when she gives birth? Come on now. It's it's an interesting twist. Hey there, Burt Show. Just a seven-month pregnant lady over here in need of some advice, hoping you can reach out to your listeners to see if anybody has been in a similar predicament. Let me give you a hypothetical. You are expecting your first child with your husband. You also have a wonderful nine-year-old stepdaughter. You want her to be in the delivery room when her sister is born to be part of the miracle. Of course, precautions would be made as to not freak her out about the process. And if anything was to go awry, she would calmly be escorted to the waiting room with other family. But her mother, your husband's ex-wife, is adamant if her daughter is in the delivery room, she will be in there too. I'll give you a minute to let that image wash over you, your husband's ex-wife in the delivery room as you are giving birth. My husband and I have agreed we want his slash our daughter in the room when her sister is brought into the world. She is beyond excited to become a big sister. He and his ex co-parent really well, and she and I have always had a lovely relationship. However, she is insisting she also be in the delivery room. At first, I thought she was joking, but she expressed concerns about my stepdaughter getting overwhelmed during the birth process. I want my stepdaughter to be a part of her sibling's life from the very beginning. The birth plan is to have my husband, stepdaughter, and possibly my mother in the room. I really want to come up with a diplomatic solution. What should I do? Or rather, what are the words I should use to keep the peace in the family and in the delivery room? Mm. (sighs) Man. Uh, as the person on the show that has been divorced and co-parents also, I'm trying to run through this filter here. Imagine uh, Stacy mm-hmm. wanting to be in the delivery room while Tiffany's giving birth. <laughs> it's bananas. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No, it's bananas. Um, but I would listen to Stacy's concerns for sure. Uh-huh. I mean... 
Uh, I would have to because these are her kids also. But it's just like, you know what? The but here here's the thing about co-parenting is you got to leave you, you got you have to trust your co-parent. Yeah. You have to trust your co-parent. And you cannot save your kid from every situation that is going to be uncomfortable. So maybe it is, maybe it won't be, but dad's going to be in the room. That's what dad's role is going to be. So I understand if mom has like really feels passionate about this, but co-parenting has given up some of that ego, man. Mm -hmm. Um, And you got to give up control. So, yeah, Stacy wouldn't be in there and we would have the child. Unpopular opinion. I don't think the nine-year-old should be in the delivery room. Mm. But but that's not really like the question that we're going at. I know, but I'm saying there's the solution to your answer. I like no, it, no way on any level of hell is the ex-wife going to be in the delivery room. That is such a personal exposed, vulnerable environment. It was my husband. I, I personally could not imagine anyone else, even any of my family, my sister, absolutely not. And that's okay. People feel differently. Some people have friends. I know you've been in the delivery room Mm -hmm. with a friend before, Kristen, people have different levels of comfort. But when push comes to shove, LOL, because it's labor, you want your husband focused or your partner focused on you and your baby. And that's not to discredit or dismiss his uh, daughter and your stepdaughter because she is an integral part of the family and a core part of the family. But for that moment, if she does freak out, your husband, understandably, would step away to comfort his daughter. And that is understandable. Leaving you Literally with just the nurses and the doctor. I, I think you're unfairly putting your opinion and values on this family. If they're comfortable with it, then they should be able to do that. I think it's I think it's like to I think what you're saying is you gotta be aware. As long as she is prepared to lose her husband's um to lose her husband's focus if something if the daughter stepdaughter does freak out or whatever he can comfort her as long as she's prepared for that then mm-hmm. yeah then, then they're good this but, would not work for me either by the way there's no way my nine-year-old would be in the delivery room absolutely not yeah i don't think for me it's not trying to push my values on someone it's it's her first child and i think when you haven't been through it before you don't really understand the full throes of what it's like in labor and I think at the outset, I would have felt the same way. Like, yes, have the stepdaughter in there. Now that I've been through labor twice, one C-section and one um, vaginal delivery, uh, no way. Like, it, it's too chaotic. It And people give birth differently. I want to address that. Like, I know that. But they're shouting, they're screaming. Sometimes they're swearing. If something goes wrong with the delivery, I was bleeding out. My baby wasn't breathing. She got stuck. Everyone had to jump into action. And I know you could easily move Mm -hmm. a nine-year-old out of the way. There are just lots of variables. And it's very unique. It could be just fine. But I think when you're in the moment, you're doubled over in pain. Even if you're getting an epidural right beforehand, you're clutching hand. I just think that your attention being divided with your stepdaughter, who you clearly care about, and your husband's attention being divided with his daughter, I just think in the moment you're going to be like, oh, man, I probably wish I had made a different decision. Yeah, I don't disagree with you in that Stacy, my uh, ex-wife, almost died on on the table uh, with Hollis. Yeah. Um, And saying I had a complete opposite um, moment because when my best friend gave birth to her first child, it was beautiful. It was serene. It was magical. Um, it was quiet. 
I mean, the way she was pushing and her determination and then the cry of the, like, it was, it was emotional and it was beautiful. And I think to have a sibling, a part of that, it, 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 it would have been awesome. To a nine-year-old, this will be so terrifying mm-hmm. that as a sidebar, um, this is the greatest birth control ever. <laughs> <laughs> to see mom in that kind of pain and to see the blood and how traumatic it is. Oh yeah. This, this will work for you in the long run. Al Shay, good morning. You are part of the bird show. Hi. Good morning, Bershaw family. Yeah, I was saying if she don't want to make the decision, she could just tell the nurse to cap it at three. Then she could tell the ex-wife or whoever she is, yes, she can be there, but when she gets to the hospital, they'll let her know that she's going to only have three people in there, and she's going to obviously choose her mom so that she has her husband, her stepchild, and her mom. Oh, you're good, my dear. Yeah, okay. I feel like the one perk of being pregnant during the pandemic and having a baby during a pandemic, nobody was loved. <laughs> there was this, this issue did not exist. All right, just one more here. Good morning, Sam. You're part of the Burt Show. Hi. Hey, good morning, guys. Um, I have to kind of agree with Cass and Bert that um, having her in the room is not necessarily a great idea just because there's unforeseen things. Mm-hmm. Like child one, I had my mother-in-law, my mom, my sister, each of them doing their own part for kid number one, and it was a learning school. So at some point, it was more the merrier. I was young, knew no better. I had 20 people in the room, doctors, nurses, everything for kid one. Yeah. My husband was blindsided by the afterbirth part. So let's mm-hmm. fast forward. That kid born... She's now seven when I gave birth to my second kid. She stayed in the room until 10 minutes before I gave birth. And I had natural birth with both my kids. So I've got Mm -hmm. 10 units going all up my back, trying to curb the pain so she did not see that. While my husband is holding one hand and I'm trying to hustle through that pain, talking to her, that's a lot of stress on not only you as a mom, so your child sees that you're bringing a gift into the world, but you're trying to be that strong mom that Mm -hmm. she has been battled so much. While your husband is there worrying, is she seeing something she shouldn't see, even though you're not in birth yet? But mom trying to, you know, hustle through the pain of getting ready to have childbirth. Now, fast forward, we have the baby. She steps out the room. You know, like I said, 10 minutes before I had my second kid, she immediately came in afterwards. And she didn't miss a thing because they mm-hmm. were still weighing him and doing the test. And she was still a part of that. But aside from that, I had somebody I absolutely at the time could not stand. My sister-in-law for second birth held my foot, which was a silver lining, held my foot while I was giving birth to my second child. My sister on one foot, my sister-in-law on the other foot. How she ended up staying in the room, I have no idea to this day, but she did. And that's a big reality check to kind of have all those things going on. Both moms, my husband, sister, sister-in-law, and my daughter stepped out with family so I could give birth so my husband could focus on me. That's a great call. Um, Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, one of these days, I thought I had told you this story about Stacy almost dying on the on the oh delivery God. room table. You may have. Okay. You you may have. I just the uh, birth was so traumatic for me. I yeah, blocked yeah. a lot of stuff out. Yeah, yeah, and I I mean it was so scary for me at the time. I couldn't even imagine Hayden being in, in the room at the same time and watching all that go down with his mom. Because didn't mm. you say like one of your your mentor a prank called you afterwards? Yeah, and they obviously it was just mistimed his place because they had no idea what was going on. Yeah, he was doing a prank on the air where it wasn't really his voice. It was like a computerized voice that they were just hitting like his voice. So it was like a hey. soundboard. Yeah, it was a soundboard. Hey, how you doing? And I'm literally sequestered in a room by myself as I'm not really sure what the outcome is going to be with Stacy. I'm really think I'm planning my, my future uh, in my head without Stacy because I thought she was going to die. And they're playing this radio prank on me. Wow. Yeah. That's they, awful. They had no idea they at the time no it was clear. going idea. Right. But, you know. 
The Bird Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Bird Show's entertainment buzz. I've brought in my meme correspondent, producer <laughs> Rebecca, here to fill us in on this viral song that people are freaking out over on TikTok. I love that title. Can I add it to the website? Meme correspondent. <laughs> add it to your LinkedIn after this. I mean, I'm you are the you. social media producer, so it would make sense that you're all up on the memes. Oh, very true. And this one, it's it's hard to call something so life-changing a meme. <laughs> it is... A viral TikTok song that comes from the comedian Brian Jordan Alvarez. I happened upon it a day or two ago, and since then, my life has not been the same. I'll tell you that. So I want you guys to listen to this song. It's called Sitting is the Opposite of Standing. <laughs> and he's he, he wants this to get national radio play, correct? So they played it in Australia, and he was posting on his social media, hey, any American radio stations want to play my hit viral song? I saw that and I said, hey, yeah, I work in American radio. And we got three minutes to kill. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the song and tell me that this is not the catchiest song you have ever heard. Tommy. Sitting is the opposite of running around. Sitting is a wonderful thing to do because you sit. Sitting is the opposite of standing on your head. Sitting is the opposite of hanging on my part. Sitting is a wonderful thing to do. I got one thing to say. I think that sitting is something that people say it is bad. But you know that sitting is actually good because you deserve to relax. It's kind of like a nap, it's kind of like something else, but it is actually just sitting. But you deserve to sit sitting. Sitting is the opposite of standing. Sitting is the opposite of running around. It's got a nice Sitting island feel. It's so catchy. I feel, like, I feel like it's a grower, yes. not a shower. I would like, I want to know, why is this life changing for you? It has so many good lessons. Okay, break it down. First of all, let's, let's talk about the physics. Sitting, it's the opposite of standing. Correct. Important to know. Some people think it's bad. It's not. Mm. It's important to rest. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. This is the song of the fall, nay, the decade. <laughs> it's important to remember you can sit, you can relax, and you can listen to a catchy song while you do it. I'm going to be honest, I hate it. <laughs> I am going to release a diss track produced by Mo that's going to be called Standing is the Opposite of Sitting. Let's oh, my God. Oh, I don't hate Bars. it. Uh, is it any better or any worse than Mikey's song about rice? How many rices in a bowl of rice? How many rices in a bowl of rice? Less than one million, so cut the price. It's almost like a contraceptive device. We will find any excuse to play that song. Anything else you've learned from this song that we should know? I'm just telling y'all, like, you can hate it now, mm -hmm. and you will not be hating it tomorrow. I'm it will saying. be stuck in your head. Okay, Rebecca, sitting is the opposite of standing, but you sit too long, you're getting hemorrhoids. That There Ooh. needs to be a PSA before that song goes out. You should remix it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the fun. <laughs>
Hemi, hemi, hemorrhoids. Okay, so there's an artist out there that is doing things the right way when it comes to selling tickets. So, you know, there was this whole debacle when um, the Taylor Swift Eras Tour tickets were on sale. People were selling them for astronomical prices. Well, Noah Khan saw this and saw, mm-mm, not on my watch. So he is selling tickets for his upcoming tour, and he has actually made his tickets non-transferable. So if you can't go to the tour, you have to return them to Ticketmaster for face value. I think every artist should do this. Hey, run that by me one more time. Yeah, why so, don't? Why doesn't every artist do this? Right? Yeah. So he, I saw on Twitter, this is from Twitter, that Noah Khan is not allowing people to resell their tickets mm-hmm. for more for more expensive. Like, so like scalpers will yeah. not be able to sell. They're non-transferable. You non-transferable. You have to give them back to Ticketmaster at face value. How do you police that? Oh, that, that should become a thing. I don't know. I saw it on Twitter. That's what Twitter said. <laughs> How would you police that? You make them non-transferable. non-transferable. Like you buy the ticket, you can't transfer it. How do they know you? Electronically, you could probably just make sure that it's not transferable. I, yeah. I would think with technology, that's I mean, I've a, that's gotten possible. tickets before that are non-transferable. You probably have to log into an account in order to access the ticket. Mm. So, like, hmm. you could probably still give it to, like, if you bought it for your kids, they could still use it. But if I were to sell it to a stranger as a scalper, Mm-mm. I'm not giving them my Ticketmaster account login mm. so they can pull the ticket. Yeah, so I'm guessing that's how they do it. They'll figure yeah. it work around. For more stories, head to thebirdshow.com. Click eBuzz. The Bird Show. So, producer Katie coming to the table. She wants us to be judge and jury. Who's right and who's wrong? Yes. So I need to know, and I'm. You, you guys will be honest with me, right? Oh, Always. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> I'm okay. Maybe. Right. It's the end of the show. She's she's the newest one, so she's not quite there yet. She's salty because she lost the uh, Taylor Swift competition earlier so, this morning. So okay. my wounds you're seeing, over here. You're seeing Dark Abby a lot more <laughs> the last couple hours. It's fun. <laughs> I know, right? I enjoy right. it. <laughs> so I have this thing, like when I go out with my friends, one thing that always annoys me is going out with people who just stay on their phone the entire time. It's rude. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It like restaurants. What do you mean it's annoying? You're that dude. You are that dude. Let no. me mean it. What do you mean it's annoying? You're that dude. I don't notice if everybody else is on their phone because I'd be on mine, I guess. My bad. <laughs> I, we were in Chicago yes. for that morning show boot camp conference, uh-huh. and we're all hanging out doing that boat tour, and you were on your phone the entire time. It was time. 130 degrees out there. The sun was beaming. I was sweating crazy. I was, uh-huh. I, I'd done all I could do. 130 <laughs> degrees in Chicago. Chicago. That's how oh. it felt. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> but I've reached a compromise with one of my best friends because it's very hard for her just to not be on her phone at all, which is fine. That's fair. I check messages occasionally, too, if we're out. But she'll have this thing. If we go somewhere, her first thing she wants to do is a photo shoot. She just wants to take pictures of her, mm. selfies of where mm. she is. She wants to go in the bathroom and take pictures in the bathroom, especially if the bathroom looks nice. Mm. Like she has this whole thing. And so I've limited to, all right, when we go somewhere, you have like your first 10 minutes to take all your little selfies. <laughs> I like this. And all your little pictures. Yeah. And then we put our phones down and just enjoy whatever we're doing. Hey, this is a nice compromise. Mm-hmm. I really I, like this. I do too. Like, like you got 10 or 15 minutes. Okay, do all the pictures right here, right now. And then that's it. And I, you want like to do it. it out the gate because you still got your fresh makeup, your lipstick's not off because you've been eating or drinking. Like that's when you look the best. Yeah, exactly. So she knows this and we have an agreement, right? So one day we decide to go out to one of uh, our favorite little spots to go eat. And 
when we arrive, she, instead of doing her little selfie, she's on the phone with the dude that she's currently dating. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. That's going to be an exchange of your, your photos. You got, you know, your 10-minute window. So, all right. <laughs> so it's whatever you want to do on your phone, you got 10 minutes. Mm-hmm, when we first get to somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, cool. You were on the phone with him in the car. You want to get off the phone? Wrap up your conversation. You go ahead. I'm going to order a drink. Do you? Wait, 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 wait. Time out. So you all drove together? No, we drove separately, but okay. we met up like at the same time when okay. we got to our destination and I knew that she was on the phone with him because I watched her when she got out of her car and stuff. Gotcha. So, yeah. And so she's having that conversation. I'm doing my own thing. Then I look down at the clock. All right. 10 minutes has now turned into 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I look and I give her the eye like, hey girl, you going to wrap up this conversation anytime yeah. soon? Mm-hmm. Like we out in public. <laughs> so then she, she's still having this conversation. So now you feel like the third wheel and it's just you and her. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was just, she. so then I kind of nudge her. I'm like, girl, and I'm mouthing her. When are you going to get off the phone? She's like, hang on, hang on. No, this is rude. Gonna, and like, so, as soon as she got there, she mm-hmm. should have told him, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here to, I'm here with my friends. Mm-hmm. I got to get off. I'll, I'll holler at you later. Fair. So she's giving me that finger. I'm like, okay, but I'm starting to get a little irritated. Okay. Because yeah. I want to talk to my friend. We want to catch up. So I take the phone out of her hands <gasps> and I say, hey, hey, hey there. If you're not buying our drinks, get off the phone. Oh, oh. Hey. Yo. <laughs> you say it to the dude on the phone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my Spicy Venmo Katie. is this. My cash app is this. Yeah. Okay. Get off the phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so then he's like, well, no, no, you know, no, I'm not going to buy a drink. I was like, then why are you on the phone, sir? Mm. Like, you know that we're out here. <laughs> like, get up. And then I give her the phone back and I look at her and I'm like, you going to hang up now? Mm. And so then she's like, Katie, why would you do that? Oh, you are turning into your mother. <laughs> Absolutely. So she was kind of upset with me that I did that and that I took the phone from her and spoke to the dude. But at the same time, I was upset because mm-hmm. this is time for us. Like you can talk to him later. You know, I wouldn't take I wouldn't have taken property out of her hand, but I would have stood up and said, I'm out. I'm like, if you're mm-hmm. not going to be here to talk to me and spend time with me and you're just going to be on the phone, I'm going to leave. And I, I would have like walked out of the restaurant. Where are you at, Mo? I uh, think you did you do it playfully or was you like you had a real serious tone? No, I was you serious. Were serious. <laughs> you were serious <laughs> By this time, I was irritated. Yeah. I mean, the only the only reason I would say you were wrong was because it really didn't have anything to do with him. She's the problem. Mm-hmm. He probably mm-hmm. don't even realize what's going on. So you should have took it out on her more than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's what I would have done. To your point, Mo. The moment she got off the phone, I would have called somebody up, had a, ni- had a nice <laughs> little conversation for about 15, 20 minutes, just to put her in your shoes to where it's awkward mm-hmm. when you're out in public and you think you're about to hang out with your friend and you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs with your vodka soda thing and what am I supposed to do now? I would have called up my mama and said, hey, we got to kill time for 15, for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Was it an emergency yeah. or was it just... No, they were just having catching up because they hadn't spoken all day. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely. And rude. you gave her that time, that ten or fifteen minutes up front, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was misplaced. I'm with Mo. It was misplaced. He didn't know what was going on. Uh-uh. He had no idea that this is even a problem. But your point was made. Mm-hmm. You're an a hole, but you're a lovable one. Yeah, you are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll the Bird Show. All right, today we call it uh, Follow-Up Thursday. There are storylines that we just haven't closed for you guys, and you will not stand for that. So we got this email from Amber Pletcher, who says, hey, want to follow up? There was a woman who started an OnlyFans account. She said the only reason was it fulfilled something in her. She ended up earning a bunch of money, didn't know how to tell her spouse about it. I want to know, did she tell him? How did he react? 
Thanks. Kristen, more in-depth? Yeah, so our recap is our listener was a stay-at-home mom who felt empty not working. Over a year ago, she started a secret OnlyFans account. She was bringing in over $10,000, and her husband had no clue. She was afraid that if she came clean, her husband would divorce her. Mo and Abby agreed that she needed to tell him and let him decide what he wanted to do. I thought she needed to quit and only tell her husband if she started her account again. What did she choose to do? Any updates? So... I had made up my mind to quit and not tell my husband about it. I managed to stop for a few months, and honestly, for a little while, it seemed like the right choice. But I couldn't shake off the urge to start again. I know, it sounds horrible, but I just couldn't help myself. You will all probably judge me. To be honest, I judge myself. I started back up, and I'm still keeping it a secret from my husband. It feels like I'm caught in a loop I can't get out of. I tell myself that if he doesn't know, it won't hurt him. But deep down, I know it's wrong. It feels like I'm hiding an addiction from him. It's come some, some kind of way she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's definitely getting that dopamine hit, for mm-hmm. sure. And I know it's not sustainable. I worry that one day he will find out, and it will crush him. But at the same time, I can't seem to stop. Every time I try, I find myself drawing back to it. Every day, there is a part of me that wants to come clean, to be honest with him, about everything, but another part of me fears that it will end our marriage. Right now, I just feel stuck. Hmm. I don't want to hurt him, but I also don't want to give up something that has become a significant part of my life. So, for now, it just is what it is. I don't know what is going to happen. I can't exactly remember, and maybe it doesn't even matter, but what was she doing on OnlyFans? Was it like full nakedness? I, kind of, I, I can't remember what she was doing. Whatever I want to say it was new, like nude photos. Okay, so if and when he finds out, it's going to be crushing. And for me, that's, I don't know that I can get over that kind of betrayal. I mean, you're lying about this double life and you're sharing your body with a whole bunch of different strangers and I don't know anything about it, man, that is, that's pretty crushing to me. I would say this though, like if you were my best friend, I'd say you got to go to a therapist and Mm -hmm. find out what this is fulfilling in you that you can't give up that you are not getting outside of this world. That you're sacrificing your marriage Mm -hmm. for. Yeah, she's got to tell her husband. I think she has to tell her husband. Um, I used to get told the saying all the time, gross things grow in the dark. And I think when you keep things hidden, you keep things secret, they just continue to grow and get worse. And so maybe that is just telling the therapist. But honestly, if my, if I was with somebody and they were in this position to where it felt like an addiction and it was so much more than just doing OnlyFans, I would want them to tell me because I would, I would actually respect their honesty that they felt comfortable about wanting to work through it and wanting me to be a part of that journey. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to get past this either. I, I would have respected it a lot more had she been open about it, but the secretiveness of it all would, would really have me to where it's zero tolerance. And she knows she's wrong. She said it herself. Mm-hmm. She's judging herself, but you just keep making excuses and excuses to be selfish about it, and that's not cool. And maybe this sounds superficial here, but like... If Tiff came to me and said that, hey, I got to be honest with you, I'm addicted to blank. I've been drinking when you're not around. It's been a problem. I've tried to stop by myself and I'm drunk constantly. I would be supportive. I wouldn't feel betrayed for whatever reason. This feels worse to me. I think there's no way this guy doesn't find out at some point. I agree. There's no way. And if it comes from somebody else and not her, the betrayal is going to feel just like that, a betrayal, where if she comes to him and says, hey, I've been really struggling with this. It's become an addiction. I was justifying it because I was making $10,000. And I thought that might help our family, but I've realized 
it's actually a lot deeper than that. I do think, I, I don't think he's not going to be hurt. I do think he will be. But at the same time, I do think he will have some level of compassion for her for the fact that she's coming to him and saying, I really want to work through this, but I just do not know where to start. And the best case scenario, like the, the least of the um, offenses here is this is like financial infidelity also. She's yeah, hiding She's got $120,000 coming in during the year that he doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. So all of these layers, ooh, I, 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 no. Uh-uh. And like Abby said, you're just kicking the can down the road because he is going to eventually find this out and you are just making it worse. I have a question about OnlyFans. Do they pay extra for the pound and like if you have extra skin tags? Damn, what? <laughs> what the hell is the matter with you? Right. Well, I'm thinking I could make some money. <laughs> you're not making $10,000. I mean, you're pretty and all, but you're not making $10,000. <laughs> Subvert show. Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.